Welcome to Rise Over Race, a podcast series bringing you stories that highlight how issues around diversity and inclusion matter to everyone. This episode will be focused on media representation. My name is Annie Liu, and I'm a student, an intern at the time of this recording, and an active consumer of many forms of entertainment. I'm also an Asian Canadian, often questioning the roles of Asians within mainstream media, leading me to this podcast topic today. Here with me is the incredible Trevor Ramai, an actor for 15 years and a producer for seven, shedding some insight on his experience within media and his opinions on representation today. So I want to start off with a disclaimer that all things mentioned in this episode are individual opinions only and do not represent the view of any company or organization. And so without further ado, Trevor, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. And I absolutely <laughs> agree with your disclaimer. These are the opinions of me and me alone. Uh, myself, Trevor Ramai. Uh, so as we go through this experience, I am here to uh, have one goal in mind for this conversation. So the listener, yes, you listener, uh, my goal for you is if there's any sort of perspective that I lay down, thanks to our wonderful host, uh, Annie, asking some wonderful questions and, and very discovery and curious questions. If you find something that you resonate with, please uh, take it and run with it, right? And maybe that's not an, uh, it's an indicator of um, something that you may be passionate about or uh, have some sort of uh, fire and flame in your belly uh, to, to learn more about. Uh, but the whole idea, my goal is to set people up for success and, or find elements of success in their respective journey. So yeah, glad to be here, Annie. Thank you. And I completely agree. I think that's the whole point of this podcast, in a sense, is just to provide different perspectives and provide a new way of thinking, hopefully sponsor an aha moment along the way. And to start us off, I'm kind of curious, how did you get involved with acting and producing? Acting and producing. Uh, so, so I very long, I guess a long story short, as it were, uh, I did 10 years of improv when I was nine years old to, to 19. Uh, when I was nine years old, I was that that um, kid in front of the class with a written speech, you know, probably a speech about like juice boxes or something, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> here I am in front of the class, uh, stuttering. I was stuttering. It was brutal. I was sweating. My hands were sweating. It was like it was a it was a, <laughs> a rough experience. <laughs> and one of uh, I guess like the elementary school had like a, the equivalent of a guidance counselor i suppose mm -hmm. uh notice they they took notice and so they recommended that um over the summer i take this one program called drama rama and in drama rama i basically attended like once a week for um five weeks of the summer and this one particular uh unit was on improv and I loved it. <laughs> it was, it was a, it was a unit where I, I, the concept of improv is just a, a really playful. It's fun. It's creative. It's imaginative, uh, and it was able to kind of get a lot of my thoughts and creativity out in that format. So I ended up um, loving it, and so I took that with me through to high school, and then in high school, uh, while being like the AV dude, putting on like plays with a team. A great team, and uh, like putting on like the Black History Month presentation to Remembrance Day presentation to various presentations that the teachers wanted to put on for whatever assemblies, and uh, but I would hook up all the microphone and the audio and the uh, any sort of music that they needed to play, and 
Um, but on the side, I would be part of the competitive improv team, which sounds hilarious uh, when it's like, how do you compete in improv? Well, that, that's, a, that's a thing. It's called the, in, the Canadian Improv Games. Um, and it was an incredible amount of fun. I was able to get out of my shell and really kind of become more of an extrovert than, uh, than what I was in the past and, um, really kind of become comfortable in my own skin. And so there was definitely a lot of that, um, growth that happened through high school. And then I, uh, went in through college. Um, I was at the bad dog improv theater and then, uh, I kind of jumped into the acting space due to a friend that asked me, Hey, uh, I, they're going through, uh, the film and television program at Ryerson. I was like, Hey, do you want to, you know, help me out of my short film? I need some actors. I'm like, all right, cool, man. And then I got the bug, ended up, uh, doing a lot of free work, got a demo reel together, ended up getting an agent, did a lot of print work and voiceover work. Um, did web series, short films, uh, TV pilots, all that fun stuff as an actor, and then jumped into um, the producing side. So the uh, I my I have two business partners. So my my production company is called GMT Pictures, uh, like Greenwich Mean Time, but except it's you know we were uh, very creative in a very sarcastic way, <laughs> where GMT <laughs> is the first letter of our our names, um, <laughs> myself, and my two business partners, we all met on a TV pilot. We're all actors, um, pretty experienced in the acting game. Um, and what ended up happening was all three of us kind of at the time realized that we're all getting typecasted because we're, uh, uh, one business partner is Filipino. One, uh, is from Yemen. And then myself, I, my background is, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And, uh, and so, uh, like all three of us, we end up getting really typecast into the worst, <laughs> the worst things. Myself, though, I'm typecast in a very interesting space because I'm also like a bit like a big bulky kind of dude. So I'm always getting like police roles or detective roles, which is okay. Authoritative roles like professor or whatever, or like bouncer or thug, uh, <laughs> like these kind of the roles that I would play as an actor. But as a producer, we wanted to, all three of us, we wanted to create um, a space where we can be creative and uh, not use our ethnicity per se, um, our background or, uh, as, as a plot point. Like that's not, a, that's not the point of being a human being, right? Um, so we, we ended up creating a YouTube channel at the time. Um, it, it's an older YouTube channel called uh, Huracha, H-O-O-R-A-C-H-A. And that, um, in hindsight, 2020, we use that as a foundation to discover how our production workflow is, which was a cool experience, I think. And um, what ended up happening is that that rolled into some some companies ended up seeing our channel and uh, we got connected and we ended up uh, working with some wonderful, wonderful companies such as the uh, Mars Wrigley and Mars Pet Care uh, companies like uh you know, juicy fruit and Snickers and Mars and that and M&Ms, that kind of thing. Uh, but working with their leadership, their internal uh, folks to create basically YouTube skits uh, for their communications, which was like, that's a job. That's cool. <laughs> and, then we, and then we rolled into uh, we've helped with a bunch of stuff, though. That's what an example um, we have experience from all over the place. And right now, as of the uh, as of this recording, uh, GMT Pictures is uh, is working with Vice um, on a, do a particular documentary, so that's 
that's pretty cool. So whenever that gets released, then I'll be able to share that around. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of my journey. So hopefully that answers your question, Annie. <laughs> oh yeah, that was amazing. And I did not know there was an improv games in Canada. So <laughs> truly learning something new every day. But oh, it yeah. seems like you had a lot of experience even before you got into the professional acting and producing world just for your love of performing, um, networking with individuals who also were in the same space. And I was, and you kind of mentioned this when you talked about typecasting, but I was wondering if you could expand on how do you think a race impacted your own career? Yeah. So the, the <laughs> man, okay. So again, this is a, uh, this is the opinion of me. This is my observation, my lived experience. Um, I'm not here to offend any particular individual now that I've said that. Um, honestly, I I can, as I was growing up, <laughs> and I'm still growing up, uh, my looks change, because my background itself, like my, uh, the, the origin of how I came to be uh, <laughs> is, is from all over the place. Like my mom's side is um, two generations prior to uh, to my mom, right? So the, my, my grandma, my great grandma, they were all in Trinidad, but one generation ahead of that. So great, great grandma, uh, and grandparents are from India. My dad's side is, is, is the family of the world, uh, Portugal, right. As well as Angola, <laughs> uh, China and various places in Europe. So that is my dad's lineage. <laughs> so, um, so I am a full mashup. So, okay. So what does that mean? So as I'm going through my acting experiences, I was able to play either, uh, this is horrible. Uh, <laughs> at, at times I've been able to play Hispanic individuals at other times I was able to play, um, like, uh, folks of Indian descent. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it was, I, I was able to kind of like play around in a very, uh, ethnically ambiguous space in the acting game. And, uh, like looking back, I'm like opportunity was opportunity at the time. Um, would I do that again? <laughs> no, um, I would be a little bit more, um, forthcoming and, and firm in my stance. But then again, this is me at where I'm at today. Um, and yeah, it, it basically impacted, like, uh, I would, I would never be considered for, <laughs> for lead or supporting roles. I wouldn't, right? Even when I was auditioning for it, um, I knew that I would audition and I would not get it. And how do I know that? Now, let me give an example. I uh, Let's start with a commercial. So I auditioned for a particular Ford commercial. It's uh, The scene was, you have a box, inside the box there's a bunch of hockey jerseys that you're giving to three kids, okay? So I did it, had a lot of fun. The kids actually had a lot of fun, right? Like we're, we're like having fun and um, like the parents, they love me and stuff. And that's cool. That was a lot of fun, but you know, cameras, the cameras, the camera. So here I am, I'm all dressed up and I'm like, I look like a sales, like a, at a dealership of Ford, right? And then when uh, we saw the actual commercial, it was a 30 something blonde hair, blue eyed woman. So when I looked at the commercial, and when I started asking some of my casting director friends at the time, they were like, oh, yeah, so there's this thing for union 
where you have to audition people, right? Regardless, right? They said one is they have to audition people. If, if there's already a preferred candidate, um, just like any sort of job, like you have to audition people, you have to interview people anyways. That could be the reason. The other reason could be um, to, to make it look like, yeah, we auditioned a whole whack load of people because it, the posting said any ethnicity right <laughs> so uh, i felt in in that when i saw that i felt that i um i completely wasted my time right like this is like why did i even audition right like that it, it, it hurts right like when you end up seeing like okay well i'm i they're they're auditioning people that look like me uh and then you see that it's a blonde-haired blue-eyed woman <laughs> yeah got, right um and it's and it, that's just one of many 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 instances. Now, in terms of let's say a short film or a film, okay. Um, so the, I've played a lot of villains in my day. <laughs> uh, that seems to be a thing, and of course the the other side was because it's Hollywood and like film industry in general in the Western society is very like whitewashed. Right. And, and that's just being very blunt. Yeah. Um, these days there's a pretty significant shift, but I'll get to that in a minute. Like back then it was still like, you know, uh, the white leads of the show of the film. And then uh, the, uh, if I'm going to use in this context, the, term racialized minorities which may not be appropriate um to use but in the context just so you can qualify what i'm talking about is all of the uh in quotes racialized minorities are the ones that were the villains um and it's it's hard it's really difficult to as an actor to say hey um you know like where do i fit and it's like oh well you're a villain <laughs> it's like what but I'm I'm a, a person just like everyone else, right? What role what roles exist for someone that looks like me, you know? And um, or uh, like, yeah. So that it was a it was a very frustrating experience in the in the beginning, and that's what really created that motivation to create my own production company, to have a, a YouTube channel and have fun and create things in the way that we want to create things and projects that we get involved in. Myself and my two business partners, we um we we kind of you know pepper in um that pe you know people are people humans are humans and um regardless of their lived experience everyone is unique and an individual in that that regard and so a hundred percent and i can only imagine the frustration that you would have had when you found out that a lot of these direct casting directors are only auditioning people for the sake of what it seems to be to look like they are trying to be diverse while having uh, their preferred candidate already set up. Yeah. And so here's the thing is like casting directors don't have as much power as you think they do. Okay. Um, just similar to like in a corporate space, like an SVP doesn't have as much power as you think they do in terms of, in terms of getting people into a particular role into um, it, it, like creating a role or any of that jazz, right? Like that is all, <laughs> It's um, the, the let's in, in the context of a casting director, they they are going to be working with a producer of the production, 
right? The production mm-hmm. hires the casting director to get cast, right? But a producer can still, or executive, especially a lot of executive producers, and you'll see this in Hollywood a lot, right? Is they're going to say, hey, I can get Vin Diesel in this show as an example, right? Um, and he's a bankable star. So therefore, uh, not only do I get an executive producer credit, but uh, I need you cast and director just so we can go through the process of casting for this role. But we know it's going to be Vin Diesel because that's who I'm bringing in. <laughs> right. So the cast and director, all they do is they just they take that suggestion and they're like, OK, I guess we have to go through the motions. The advantage of them doing that, uh, of, of the casting directors doing that, is that let's say you go through the audition and they know it's for Vin Diesel. Right. Uh, and you go through the audition and you you slay that audition. You kill it. You're, you you rocked it. There's a good chance that the casting director is going to take uh, uh, take your name, take your headshot, your resume, put it aside for other roles in either that project or other projects that they're working on, <laughs> that got hired on and working on. So it, it's another opportunity. Like it never, 100% never get discouraged <laughs> when you find yourself in that position because I wouldn't doubt that you find out yourself in that position if you are constantly uh, putting that energy and effort into the career of, of the acting space. Um, know that casting directors, always they do have their eyes on good people that do the work, that come prepared, that show up and are present as that character, get into that headspace and that circumstance. Um, and they will definitely carry your name into other projects. And know this, some casting directors, they, they may be starting off, they may be like junior in quotes, you know, but like anyone in their career, they're going to stay, as long as you're persistent, they're going to stay in it. And eventually they get their name out there. And guess what? If you made a great impression with them, they're going to carry your name along with them. So keep that in mind. Awesome advice for aspiring actors out there in our audience. But looking at the media landscape prior to 2020, in your experience, did you feel like there was ever much discussion or opportunity for diverse representation? And if so, what did those conversations look like? Yeah, it was like just a, it was a, more of an uphill battle. There was a very, um, I was just say rude. Like there's this one person that was really rude <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that I, I couldn't work with. Um, cause they, they, their stance as a producer, when I was attempting to co-produce a particular project with them, their stance as a producer was, um, uh, minorities aren't bankable, right? Like they're not, they're not going to help me sell this project. I got so offended. <laughs> I had to check myself cause I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, and this is where like in this, in this space, you really need to be aware of your emotions and where you're at in a, in a, in, in your headspace to ensure that you are present coherent, logical in uh, the way that you articulate um, yourself and the way that you carry yourself. In that circumstance, I had to walk away. I'm like, if you don't recognize that people are people, if you don't recognize that people are people, then I can't work with you, right? I had to walk away from that particular project. Uh, It was bizarre. (laughs) It was a bizarre one. But um, that individual is very convicted in that statement, right? And that is that individual, their result, in my opinion, is a symptom of folks like Hollywood perpetuating it, right? And really continuing to, to 
to whitewash characters, uh, including like one of the examples is like the first uh, first Doctor Strange movie, right? The um, Sorcerer Supreme was played by uh, Tilda Tilda Swinson. Swinson's last name, I think. Uh, yeah, and and when it was never in the comics. A white person. Um, so, uh, and I know like Kevin Feige came out and, and regretted it and, and, uh, on the casting decision, but we do need to th- give thanks to those that have fallen to really create that change. Uh, and I, I, I do not, like if the pandemic didn't happen um, and, those, and those protests and all those, the rising up that, that so rightly has happened and I, I'm struggling not to mention the events um, because I'm very passionate about them. Um, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be in a space where we're actually seeing um, Hollywood North and Hollywood um, and the entertainment industry taking anyone that is uh, not white. It's it's thanks to all these events. We are finally, 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 Treating people as people from a from again using the the, the term racialized minorities um, without offense, right? Like <laughs> stories are stories are stories, and stories will always have characters, and characters, uh, bad characters play off of the stereotypes. Good characters uh, are all about meaningful interactions, right? And meaningful interactions on how they interact with other individuals in that space based on the circumstance. So, and, and that's, that's what it's all about. So now we're finally seeing stories of like, uh, so I, I'm a big fan of Voltron. Uh, but so ner- nerd alert on my side. Uh, so the, the animated series, there are, there's some main characters in there and one person uh, is, is pansexual. Another person is, is, uh, is gay and they don't point it out at all right? It's one of those that the, the audience is smart enough to figure it out. All right. And they don't use it as a plot point. And then same thing with like, if there was like, if you look at uh, an older movie, but it checks out is the um, uh, not another teen movie. It plays off of, because it's a parody, right? Spoof. And one of the characters, his name is literally the token black guy, right? Because they, they, they were making fun of the fact that like every teen movie has a token black guy, which I was mm-hmm. like, you know, and uh, a lot of newer shows today will have uh, folks from various diverse backgrounds uh, that just so happen to be in the story, that just so happen to be uh, real people that are interacting with other people with various circumstances that are around them, you know, which is wonderful, right? I think that was a necessary change because that didn't happen prior to 2020. And if it did, it was in very small doses, in my personal opinion. There was a lot of, yes, yes, there's a lot of really big uh, movies uh, that, that help influence and help uh, push things forward. But I'm talking about the the behind the scenes, the rush uh, to, to get a balanced and diverse um, set of individuals making the movie, not just, uh, not just in the movie, right? Don't make a movie about uh the the black experience and have only white people shooting it and writing it you know and directing it that 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 would be infuriating right like it's like very infuriating and um like as a as someone that watches it because it's i know like uh, another example is like the subreddit uh uh, men writing women (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> subreddit is an excellent example of how horrendous that can be, right? Anyways. And I think I, I, I definitely agree <laughs> with you in that the past year, there's just been such a massive push for more authenticity, more like honesty within the hardship. And like you mentioned, avoiding all the stereotypes that you typically see and I'm Asian American so typically beforehand I would always see the Asian character as the quirky best friend at, or or the the nerd or someone who's always in trousers and glasses and doing math somewhere in a corner and so now there's just seems to be a lot more like a lot more push for um, authentic stories with movies like Minari or The Farewell that genuinely portray an aspect of culture with so much authentic input um which i did not see prior to prior to so many events in 2020 as well and so kind of building on that do you feel like this past year was had the biggest change in representation throughout your entire career was it the biggest change from when you first started to now Oh, 100%. Yeah, just in this year alone, uh, like this year and a half now, um, an incredible amount and shift. And 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 really like surprised the hell out of me was the amount of allyship, the amount of allyship that has shown up just to, to say, yes, we do need more representation. Yes, I've been saying this for years, right? And, and people that I know that are very much... Um, authentic in their responses right sincere it's only now within within the last couple of years that like um studios and uh and funders of um uh of this uh the of the space are finally kind of opening up their wallets to be like yeah okay uh yeah just tell give me a story give me a story now here's the thing it's like always like it like like there's always a balance and there's going to be some people that take it too far and some people will um gender bend and uh race bend characters too much right uh and you mm -hmm. know that because of the story and again it goes back to why like if they end up making it a plot point right um and rather than uh, focus on the relationship and the circumstance that the characters are facing it's a good that's a good like red flag for you to identify <laughs> on whether this was a good production or not you know um then there's uh then there's folks like you know the national film board of canada um like they they did and they've always been doing an excellent job in my humble opinion um on on finding different stories that they can tell and uniquely canadian stories um like there's still controversy on that as well, but uh, it's been, again, my own personal experience. So there, again, there's two sides to this, right? Like anything. And a huge amount of shift is what I'm seeing uh, as well. So uh, here's some advice that I want to give um, the, the listener. I want you to listen and listen carefully. <laughs> Life is incremental, right? Piece by piece by piece, whatever Okay. Every day is an opportunity to take a baby step forward in whatever that may be your career, either in the acting or the producing space or in general, in any space, every day is a baby step. Now with 365 baby steps, you'll find yourself down the street. 
So don't be afraid to take those steps. And life is <laughs> is a lot longer than we we expect, right? People say, "Oh, it's so quick," and you know, grow up so fast. And da, 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 da. But if you get into the routine of every day making a baby step, a very small step. Let's say it's reading a book. You read two pages of that one book. That one book has thousand pages. Take your time, two pages a day. And then it, you're going to get way far ahead compared to what if you just didn't do it at all. Okay. So same idea of building your career, putting the energy into it and continuing to build yourself up, <laughs> um, checking out these kind of groups. So there's a lot of um, Toronto actor groups. Like if you're in Toronto, there's, there's a lot of actor groups. There's a lot of resource groups that exist um, to, with the purpose of offering roles, offering different. So a, a baby step is just adding yourself into those groups, you know, getting it, you know, I, I'd like to join this group, please. Boom. Baby step. Uh, the next, uh, next baby step. Okay. Now I'm going to look at these groups and see what they can offer. I'm going to apply to one, uh, one, one or two jobs that I think I'm capable of and I'm free that day. You never know, right? All it takes is just this one opportunity uh, for you to get hooked in, get more experience, learn about a different aspect of something that you may have already known or discover something new. And maybe it's an opportunity for you to discover your, your passion. Maybe it's an, uh, uh, an opportunity for you to discover, hey, you know what? I don't, maybe this ain't for me. It may be an opportunity for you to say, you know what, like this is, this is definitely something I'm going to continue as a side hustle while I maintain this other thing. Know that you, what skills you want to develop and it's a, and start maybe reaching out to individuals that already have those skill sets. And that's the, usually the crux of any sort of mentorship, right? So, if, so um, one thing that I love to support as an ally is the women in film and television, uh, Toronto chapter specifically. So go, go to Google. I think it's whiff.com, I think. Um, I'm a big supporter of that. So if you're interested, take a look at their spaces. There's a lot of stuff that they offer, um, not only as an ally, but also a lot of courses that they offer to for you to learn more about the industry a little bit. And these are all supported by um, folks that are very much in the industry, that are executive producers, producers, et cetera, uh, in that space. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure listeners are very appreciative of all the awareness that's being spread around in the recent months. And especially after 2020, there's been a huge push to just bring to light all of these resources and so much more demand has been created to have these resources supported as best as possible. But I'm curious because the idea of diversity within media and media representation has been around for a long time. And what do you think was preventing companies or casting directors from taking actionable steps towards inclusion? It, because it seems like so much change has happened in the past year. Yeah. But this uh, change could have been spread out over a longer oh, period of time. Uh, I 100% agree with you. And it, it's going to sound really stupid. Uh, it's, it's money and uh, ego and attitude because there's in my observation there is um very few directors or for direct not directors uh producers right like the there are big producers and there's uh in toronto there's i want to say seven big ones where i want to say that of all the funding that that gets released by say the government 
they they would get 80% of it <laughs> and then everyone else fights over the last 20%, right? And that is not an uncommon story across various industries, I'm sure. But know that like with power comes more power, right? Like if they're already up there and they're already doing well and they're making money, there was no reason for them to change. Now that all of these disruptors happened, we're starting to see their bottom line be affected. So they're forced to change in order to accommodate uh, audiences. That's what I personally think. Again, it's my own personal opinion. I think it's, um, is there any fact behind it? It's more like circumstantial at best, right? But it's, again, it's an observation on attitude, on ego. I'm, I'm glad, again, like I'm glad that we've gotten to a space where as a population, as a general population, we're going to be like, it, we have a firm stance now. Um, mm-hmm. We're not seeing uh, uh, people say, okay, well, you know, there, there's, there's clearly like really influential, really good film out there um, that is supporting the movements or it's telling a story that I understand that it's around people that look like me, that sound like me, that think like me. Um, and, and they're really kind of continuing to push that forward. But again, like the bigger money maker individuals are finally opening up their wallets to do, uh, to do like more substantial and, and meaningful projects um, out there. That's what I, that's what I think. So it almost seems like at the time or before 2020, don't fix what's not broken, but it's only, it's not broken to them alone. And so correct, they would just not have to change. Correct. Yeah. I think that's an accurate statement on, on my observation. So you take this with a grain of salt, folks. <laughs> but it's, uh, it was, a, it, it's clearly, it's something that I'm very, um, like I, I have a lot of, um, strong opinions in that space. And, um, it is, <clears throat> it's definitely a, it's an unfortunate thing. It's an unfortunate, um, uh, I, I'm also, speaking of like the the geographical location of Toronto, right? Like that's where I'm referring to. Uh, my experiences, for example, in LA, were wonderful. <laughs> Very, a lot more collaborative. Uh, it seems that they're willing to take a chance more in that space than they have been in Toronto in the past. But Toronto is now finally opening up with the amount of studios that are being built across uh, the GTA. But also that there's a lot more demand for cast and directors and producers to hire um, folks of all walks of life, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's like finally. And so folks like, uh, like Netflix um, are, they, they just care about story, right? And they're, they're, they're going all in, <laughs> they're going all in. They're like, yeah, it's like this. Uh, if it's not, if the, the script isn't diverse enough, they uh they're not they're not fans of it or they're just like uh we got this other script that we do because they just have so much to do so streaming platforms obviously made like a huge dent in like the traditional producer mindset (laughs) or the traditional um uh, i guess seven folks ish um that uh that would normally control the amount of productions that happen in in the gta um but yeah so I think there, we're seeing a lot more um, activity, a lot more positive growth, a lot more hope um, for for really kind of getting past the fact that like, you know, people are finally starting to see people as people. 
and it's it's we're not fully there but it's uh, it's actually happening yeah i think many of us can agree that we've definitely seen a shift in more presentation on the streaming sites even for me and my own netflix account not only are does it seem like they're focusing on the story more but it's also bringing an international catalog of stories to everyone's account so there are like asian tv shows there are uh, european tv shows african tv shows that are all accumulated so that you know it's not like we're turning on our tv and only seeing the shows that the the major tv networks are are showing us it's an international dialogue now yeah yeah and that's the cool thing about netflix right it's like once it's on their platform they can take it to internationally to the various regions of Netflix, right? Well, once you're in Netflix, they they can just move it around, <laughs> and that's that's a cool part. And yeah, it's um it's it's a wonderful wonderful thing to see. I'm just happy to see that there's actually a a path for others to get their story heard, and a path for uh, folks to get their stories out there. For sure. And on this topic of like having more representation nowadays i noticed that a lot of the discourse is often focused on the representation or diversity of one ethnic group and so i'm curious in your opinion why should representation for one group matter to everyone why is black representation beyond just a black issue and asian representation beyond just an asian issue for example <clears throat> that's a that's certainly a heavy one now it goes back to the idea of you're not okay until we're okay, right? It's the, it goes back to what I was saying, like everyone, treating everyone as humans. With the amount of hate that has been realized over the last couple of years and the, the amount of stories that we're hearing across various groups of individuals, I, I have to say like, if one group is suffering, is important that everyone knows and has awareness of it. Because if that one group can suffer, there's a, an opportunity for others to suffer as well. And so that that's that's my observation. That's my philosophy. So we have one world to live in. We all need to work together to prosper, to collaborate, to succeed, to survive, <laughs> right? Depending on mm-hmm. your perspective. And by suppressing a group whether it be uh, black individuals indigenous individuals asian individuals of those that are who are doing the suppressing right is it, it does it come down to power does it come down to um, control what it, was it come down to and by telling these stories we can start dismantling it and analyzing it and understanding what are the aspects of the quote unquote system that we may have the opportunity to influence and potentially dismantle, right? That are enabling or enforcing the suppression and oppression of uh, groups of individuals. And I really like what you said throughout our conversation about how everyone is a person everyone has a unique set of circumstances and i think that also relates to this yep just uh listeners know this your life 
and who you are, your experience is valued. You are whole and you are worthy and no one can tell you and make you feel less than. To end it off, pivoting to a more future outlook, how do you think the discussion regarding representation will change the media industry in years to come? Well, I'm hoping, honestly, I'm hoping that there's just going to be people from all walks of life show up on various aspects of media. Um, An example of that is like radio, right? Like we're seeing people from all walks of life show up on radio because you can't identify your background based on your voice. You can't, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You can only assume, right? And that's, you know, you know what they say about assuming. Uh, And I'll leave it at that. But the... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what we, what I'm hoping to see over the next, um, you know, decade is, um, is seeing again meaningful stories about people as people, uh, and continuing to see stories as stories, and that just with people that just so happen to have a preference and blah, right, or come from this X Y Z background, or uh, that just so happen, just so happen, just so happen, rather than it be a plot point. That's what I'm looking forward to the most, because uh, we're still seeing it, right? We're still seeing like. Oh, well, because, you know, she's a woman, you know, uh, the Black Widow program in Black Widow, like, because that's the first movie, of course, that pops into my head. But like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, oh, women power. It's like, we didn't necessarily need that element in the movie, right? We just so happen to be, she just so happened to be a woman. She just so happened to go through this experience and she's trying to save X, Y, Z, right? You don't have to point it out, right? Like, it's not necessary. But anyways, that's just, you know, a little rant. Yeah, so that, like, the characters, they are much deeper characters than just their diversity is also what I'm hearing. Yeah, of course. Of course. For sure. And thank you so much, Trevor, for, for being here today. I love this conversation. I know I learned a lot, and I hope we were inst- able to inspire an aha moment for all of our listeners as well. Would you have any last words for our audience? Listeners know that you have the power in you to impact and influence those around you. And I like to visualize it as a pebble being thrown into a pond and you see the ripple effect. Now those ripples can turn into waves if you do it right. And all you need to do is impact and influence all those around you. And that may be difficult more times than not. Continue to share your story. Continue to have an opinion. Try not to be on a middle line or sidelines. And ensure that you are you take a stand. Whether, whatever side you're on, as long as you take a stand, you stand firm. You know who you are. You're whole you're worthy, you're appreciated. And again, you know who you are. That's, that's what I would say. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rise Over Race. To close it off, I encourage everyone to watch a TV show or a movie that has diverse characters where their diversity is not a focal plot point. Thank you so much for your support. And if you enjoyed, please give a listen to the other episodes in this series.